Welcome to True Crime and Horror, the podcast that delves into the darkest and most chilling stories from the world of crime and horror. Join us as we explore the fascinating and often terrifying world of true crime and horror. From notorious serial killers and unsolved mysteries to spine-tingling ghost stories and haunted houses. Our expert hosts will guide you through the most gripping cases and terrifying tales, providing insight, analysis, and plenty of scares along the way. If you're a fan of true crime and horror, this is the podcast for you. So lock the doors, turn off the lights. Everyone tells me that I should never get involved with the deep web. They tell me that it is a very dark place and that only bad things can come from it. Some people have even blamed me for the story I'm about to tell, as if I had anything to do with what happened. To those people, I always say the same thing. Do you know the worst thing about the deep web? Even if you don't do anything about it, even if you don't know it exists, you can get entangled in it. You can be its victim. And that is exactly what happened to me. I will tell you how it happened. My story begins on a field trip with my buddies. We were all scouts, and although we were an adult troop, we were only 18-year-old boys accompanied by an instructor. That day, we were just going to untie knots, make a campfire, and tell ghost stories. And that's exactly how the day started. We set up our tents around a circle where we were going to eat marshmallows later in the evening. Some of us were in charge of looking for wood, Others had to go exploring, and one of us, usually the most experienced, would guide us with a map. Our camp was in a remote location, far from civilization and any kind of cell phone signal. This meant we were completely isolated, which sounded exciting at the time, but soon became our worst nightmare. The campsite was near a small stream, surrounded by tall trees that blocked the view of the starry sky. We pitched our tents. When we all returned from our chores, we got down to work and began to prepare everything for the night. A few hours later, we had all the tents ready and a fire going, so we started cooking our rations. The night went on like any other camping trip, with laughter and jokes among friends. However, as the darkness closed in on us, we began to feel a strange uneasiness in the air. That's when we heard the sound of rustling branches in the distance. We all became alert thinking it was a wild animal. The instructor said to wait and went to investigate. We all listened, and within seconds, someone was coming from his direction. But what emerged from the trees was not the instructor. Several men dressed in black wearing masks that hid their faces appeared out of nowhere. One of them held a camera, while the other carried some kind of rusty axe. The rest were carrying guns, and they were pointing them at us. We were paralyzed with fear and surprise. The intruders slowly approached us, staring at us through their masks. One of them spoke in a voice that sounded distorted and mechanical. They ordered us to get up and walk toward the stream. With no other choice, we obeyed, feeling like we were trapped in a never-ending nightmare. As we walked toward the creek, the intruders made us form a circle. They stared at us, their eyes hidden behind masks. Then the man with the axe began to speak in a voice that chilled our blood. He explained that we were a part of a macabre live show being broadcast on the deep web. We had been randomly chosen to be the victims of his twisted fun. 
Our hearts were pounding and anxiety gripped us. The man with the camera began to record us, pausing at each of our faces. We knew we were being filmed for an unknown audience in some dark corner of the web. Tears began to gather in our eyes, but we knew that crying would only make our situation worse. The deep web psychopath explained to us the rules of the macabre game we were about to play. Only one of us would make it out of that night alive, and the rest of us would disappear into the depths of the forest. The man placed a bottle in the middle of the ground and began to spin it to determine who would be the first to die. The bottle finished spinning and pointed to one of my friends. The intruders grabbed him and dragged him into the dark forest. I still remember my friend's screams. He was desperately calling for help, shouting that if we all got together, we could attack the men. Otherwise, we were all going to end up dying. You know, I still think about his words a lot. To tell you the truth, he was right. If we had listened to him, most of what happened that night could have been prevented. But can you blame us for not acting? We were only 18 years old. We had never had any real problems in our lives, and suddenly we were facing men from the deep web who wanted to play with us, torture us, and kill us. We could do nothing to stop them. We could only hear our friends' screams and terror fading in the distance. I admit that we all stared at each other. Some were thinking of attacking them. Others wanted to escape. But in reality, we were all frozen with fear. We were all convinced that there would surely be more people in the woods watching us, waiting for one of us to attack or try to escape. Hesitantly, we continued to listen to the sounds of our friends wailing, which would haunt us for the rest of the night. Meanwhile, the man with the axe looked at the rest of us and said that only one would escape. The rest would suffer the same fate. Time passed slowly and panic set in. We didn't know whether to try to flee or stay and wait for our turn to come. Finally, another bottle throw pointed to another one of my friends. They led him into the woods, and this time, we heard no screams. Just an eerie silence that left us even more terrified. As the night progressed, the intruders continued to pick off our friends one by one. Each time one of them disappeared, a sense of helplessness and despair grew in me. I knew that the possibility of being next was increasing, and my fear became unbearable. At one point in the night, none of us thought about escaping. The idea of being the last one alive started to become more and more attractive to all of us who were left. It was going to be harder and harder to resist or escape. We could only play by their rules. Without realizing it, we all became a herd of frightened sheep waiting to be slaughtered. Finally, there were only two of us left, my best friend Mark and me. The man with the axe looked at us with a sinister smile and informed us that it was now our turn to play. He gave us a choice. We could fight each other to the death and the survivor would be free, or we could refuse and face an even worse fate. Mark and I looked at each other with terror in our eyes, knowing we had no choice. The fight was brutal and heartbreaking. We were not killers, we were friends. But the life at stake forced us to fight until one of us lay motionless on the ground. Blood mixed with mud and the sound of our blows echoed in the night. Neither of us was really fighting. We were just 
Two teenagers punching each other and crying. Every punch I hit Mark with was like hitting myself. And I could see in his eyes that the same thing was happening to him. You know, I've known Mark my whole life. He was the first guy I talked to on my first day of high school. And since then, we've always been inseparable friends. Mark was like a brother. A brother I was trying to beat to save my own life. If either of us had really wanted to take the other one down, we could have done it very easily. But all our blows were like content. We both wanted to survive, but neither of us could bring ourselves to drop everything. And the axe man knew it. I could see in his face how he was getting impatient. And when the man with the camera spoke to him, he only got angrier. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see how the axe man grimaced and prepared to come at us. I knew what this meant. The fight was boring him. In that moment of desperation, I stopped thinking about Mark and thought about my parents. I thought about how devastated they would be if anything happened to me. I thought about my father, who would blame himself for my death since he insisted that I come. At that moment, I closed my eyes and hit Mark as hard as I could while crying and closing my eyes. Mark was instantly defeated, and the man with the axe was surprised, but began to laugh. The man with the axe came up to me and congratulated me for surviving. He told me that I could leave. The man not only told me that I could tell the story, but he threatened that if I didn't tell the story, terrible things would happen to me and my family. So I was left to go, alone and traumatized in the middle of the dark forest. I ran without looking back, aimlessly, until I found a path that led me back to civilization. I arrived at a police station and told them what had happened. However, the police could find no trace of the deep web psychopaths or my missing friends. The deep web is a dark and mysterious place, difficult to trace. You know, sometimes I feel like I have to do something. Like, Look for them and get revenge for what happened to Mark. But inside, I know they are just fantasies. I have no choice but to live like a coward. A coward whose family is alive and plans to keep them that way. Hello, everyone. We are thrilled that you have been enjoying our videos. Your support means the world to us. If you've liked what you've seen, please consider liking and subscribing to our channel. We would love to hear which one of our videos is your favorite. We're on a mission to reach 100,000 members in the SSG family, and with your help, we can achieve that goal. Thank you for being a part of our journey. Hi, I'm Kevin Malone, and I work in a grocery store. Most of the time, there are hardly any customers, so I either take up my distance learning courses on my PC at the grocery store, or I watch YouTube videos. But recently, a friend of mine introduced me to the dark web. Some people call it the deep web. Now, mind you, I'm just a high school graduate. I'm no computer whiz, but I really love exploring new things. So when I installed the Tor browser and started exploring the deep web, I was pretty excited at first. There were many websites that I encountered. Some were pretty standard ones, like the ones you find on any other web browser. And some were pretty messed up. 
There was one with the last words of all the death row inmates. I read some of that and couldn't get it out of my head for days. I found some meth and other drug dealers that sell drugs online on the dark web. I found some arms dealers, too. But I never invested much time on such sites as I knew it could be dangerous. Also, I didn't do drugs or wasn't interested in buying a firearm. But I loved to explore the deep web and all the creepy things going on there. Nevertheless, my job was pretty uninteresting. I did the inventory for the grocery store and sat in the back office... Many people from our town visited the grocery store, many of my friends and family members included. For the last few months, there were some weird things happening in our town. Girls were going missing. Young girls from the ages of 16 to 25 were going missing from our town and the neighboring town as well. There was a sense of fear in the area. No one knew who was doing it and why. Moreover, no bodies were ever found so the cops couldn't do much in terms of investigation. Everyone was told to be alert, and especially women and girls were suggested to leave the house only when necessary and to be in the company of someone. No girls left the house after dark alone. I, too, had a young sister, so I was worried as well, and most of the time I accompanied her everywhere. Every day before coming to work, I would drop her at school and make sure my mom and father picked her up when she got out. Anyway, last evening while browsing on the Tor browser, I found an Onion website. It was a penciler website, and so far I haven't seen anything like that. This site was weird, as it was a murder-on-demand site. What the hell does murder-on-demand even mean? So, I decided to check out the site. The overall design of the site was creepy. It only had three pages with a home page that had a contact form at the end of it. It also had an about page. This page was about the killer. It didn't have any personal information, but it said that this was the killer's part-time job and that he was an artist by profession. This had already creeped me out so much that I was about to close the browser and go home. But then... Something at the back of my mind made me check out the last page, which was a portfolio page. This page was truly horrific. It had images of mutilated dead bodies, mostly women, and their faces were always blurred, and in none of the photos had the killer shown him or herself. I was so repulsed by some of the photos that I puked in the bin below my desk. After that, I called it a night and drove home that night I couldn't sleep or even eat my dinner. I just laid awake in my bed, thinking about the horrors those ladies had to face at the hands of this serial killer. And who even demanded for these girls to be killed so brutally? I somehow managed to get some shut-eye. But the next morning, as soon as I got to work, I couldn't stop myself from revisiting the website. That's when my boss knocked on the door of my small cabin. He asked me to mind the cash counters for an hour or so, as we were understaffed and had a lot of customers. I didn't mind at all, as I had no inventory to update at the moment. As soon as I got out there looking at the crowd, I knew that I would be out there for a long time. As I checked out customers one after the other, I was dying to get back to the site and check it out even more. Just then, a customer brought me back for my thoughts. 
He placed a bunch of art supplies and some hardware supplies on the counter. I looked up at him, and I recognized him to be one of my seniors from school. I guess he was about three years older than me, and now he was a famous painter in our small town. He sold his paintings at a pretty high rate, and some of his work was in art galleries across the world. I greeted him and asked him if he was working on anything new. He was a nice guy and said that he was planning on starting a new project soon, but currently he was focusing on a part-time venture of his. I asked him some more questions about his work and he ended up showing me some pictures of the paintings he had done. They were truly phenomenal. Finally, I checked him out, put his stuff in a bag, and waved him goodbye. After almost four hours, I returned to my office and started checking the site while I ate my lunch. I scrolled through all the pictures I'd seen last night and started seeing some more pictures of dead women and their various body parts. Soon, something caught my eye in the background of the picture. It was of a decapitated woman, and in the background in one corner was a very familiar-looking painting. I zoomed in, and sure enough, I knew where I had seen the painting before. So, just to make sure, I saw all the pictures on the website, and in the background of many of them, I could see some very familiar paintings that I had seen merely hours ago. I knew I had solved the most complicated case our town had ever experienced. But I knew that I was dealing with a serial killer here, so I had to be very careful how I proceeded from here on. First of all, I screenshotted all the photos, then copied them to a pen drive and packed the pen drive in an envelope. Next, I wrote a short note that said, Check the painter's basement, and put it inside the envelope too. That evening while driving home, I dropped the envelope in the box office of the police station. The next morning before I woke up, my parents and my sister were busy watching the news. The cops had raided the artist's house and found three girls chained, abused, and starved in his basement. And more dead bodies were found buried on his property. He was arrested, and I believe that he will get the punishment he deserves. Luckily, those three girls were rescued. The cops found his website on the dark web and shut it down immediately. And no one knows who tipped off the cops. We all probably hear the phrase, I don't eat meat, more than 20 times a week. We hear it when entering a restaurant, we hear it when ordering food, and we also hear it in our daily conversations. And while I thought I'd never utter those words, an incident that happened a few years ago made me swear to never eat meat again. This gruesome story details my horrific experience and explains why I don't eat meat. I'd just come home from college, it was the summer break, and coming home was always great because I got to see my childhood friends. Tommy was like my best friend, as we'd known each other since childhood. He was a bit shy and reserved, while I was outgoing and social, but even with our different personalities, we were like brothers. Every summer there was an organized get-together where all our childhood friends would meet up and catch up with each other. Tommy didn't like going to these things, but I always forced him to. When we got there, we mingled, ate, and caught up with most of our other childhood friends. Towards the end of the program, a man walked up to us, and I recognized him. It was Alexander Anderson. He was an eccentric foodie who was obsessed with finding new tastes. He was also a hugely popular YouTuber. His channel featured various food-related topics like ASMR, mukbangs, and new cuisines, basically everything that had to do with food. 
While he was one of our childhood friends, we weren't really close to him, as Alexander was a little weird as a kid. Jake! Tommy! It's so good to see you! Alexander said as he pulled us in for a hug. You both smell so good! Now, this was a weird statement, as Tommy and I weren't wearing any cologne, but I brushed it off as I thought it was just one of his pleasantries. So I said, It's nice to see you, Alexander. He then asked, did you enjoy the food? Tommy responded with, It was great. I'm so glad you enjoyed it, seeing as I made the whole thing, he said. Well, you did a good job. I also thought it was lovely. I replied. He smiled and said, Now, I'm about to film a new mukbang video for my YouTube channel, and I would love it if you two would participate in it. Now, I wasn't really much of a food enthusiast, and neither was Tom but I didn't want to be rude, so I gladly agreed and told him we'd be in his YouTube video. Alexander then said, Great, I'll send you my address details and we'll see you on Wednesday. Before walking away, Tommy wasn't too happy about this. You shouldn't have done that, Jake. You know I don't like going to things like that. Don't worry, I replied. I'm sure it'll be a fun experience. Little did I know that it'd be an experience I would never forget. It was finally Wednesday and we were driving to Alexander's house. Tommy was feeling really anxious and he said to me, I don't know about this, Jake. I'm having a really odd feeling about this. We both know how weird Alexander is. I assumed it was just Tommy's introvert nature acting up, so I calmed him down, saying, Come on, dude. I knew he was a bit weird when he was a kid, but he's a man now. Tommy replied, I know he is, but he's still weird. Didn't you notice how he looked at us at the get-together? He had this creepy smile on. Plus, he said we smelt good. Both of us know we weren't wearing any cologne. Something just seems off about this. I figured all this was probably just Tommy being in his head, so I said, I really didn't notice any of that, but it's probably all in your head, man. We'll be fine. We eventually arrived at Alexander's house, and the first thing I noticed was how huge it was. I knew being a YouTuber paid well, but I didn't realize it paid this well. We knocked on the door, and Alex quickly rushed to open it. He looked ecstatic, and the look he gave us was more craving than happy. He eventually spoke. Come in, come in, he said. We walked in and stood in the hallway. You gentlemen smell divine, he said. This time I was wearing cologne, which made it less odd, but there was something eerie about the way he said it. Thank you, I replied. Tommy clearly wasn't comfortable hearing Alex say that again, but he smiled and nodded. Wait here while I get the cameras ready, Alex said before walking away. We sat down on the seats in the hallway, and the more I sat there, the more I began to feel as anxious as Tommy. I would remind myself that I'm an adult at intervals, and I needed to stop being immature. The silence in the mansion was eerie and creepy. What the fuck is that? Tommy said, breaking the silence. I turned to see him looking at a painting on the wall. The painting seemed to consist of various human figures, eating a small child. Are they eating her? Tommy said, visibly disturbed. I knew at first glance. That was exactly what was happening, but decided not to freak Tommy out, so I said, It looks like it, but I'm not sure. 
It's such a bizarre painting. That's when we heard Alexander's voice from the end of the hall. Beautiful, isn't it? I found it in an art gallery. The painter said it was inspired by an old tribe who always felt incomplete. So, in order to find completion, they took from another. Tommy responded with, What does that even mean? Alexander smiled and said, Only people of true art can understand it. Well, I think it's a fucking weird painting and you should get your money back. I could see Tommy was annoyed now, and I decided I should probably step in, but before I could say anything, Alexander continued with, Well, it cost me $20,000, and I don't regret spending that amount because it was well worth it. You may not see the beauty now, my dear Tommy, but with time, you will. Tommy was about to say something, but Alexander quickly cut him off. The cameras are ready, and I'd like us to begin shooting the video. Tommy wasn't happy, but he said, Fine, let's get it over with. As we walked down to the kitchen, I could tell Tommy was mad at me, as I was the one who dragged him into this, and it showed. I too was feeling extremely anxious, but Alex seemed completely oblivious to all this, as he still had a huge smile on his face. I knew Alex was always a weird dude, but this was getting a bit too much, and just as I thought things couldn't get any worse, he showed us what we would be eating. At first glance, you'd know it was meat, but the question was, what kind? It didn't look like pork, beef, or chicken, and it didn't smell like any of them either. I looked at Tommy and knew he was thinking the exact same thing, but before Tommy said anything, I asked Alexander, What kind of meat is this? Because it doesn't look like anything I've had. Is it mutton? He looked at us and said, Well... If I told you, it would defeat the point of the mukbang video. You don't have to know what it is. Just know it's delicious. He then told us to sit down because he was about to start the video, but my mind had already started flying to numerous places. I wasn't even paying attention to what Alexander was saying in the introduction as I began to ask myself if Tommy was right all along. Have I been too nice? I was about to say something when Alex finally said to the camera, now, my childhood friends and I are going to try out this mystery meat. He handed us a portion, and despite my lack of enthusiasm to eat whatever it was, I decided to get it over with and leave. As Alex started eating, Tommy and I put the mystery meat in our mouths, and as soon as it touched my tongue, it was as if all my worries went away. There are no words to describe how delicious this mystery meat tasted. I instinctively went for another, and so did Tommy. Alex began to laugh as he said to the camera, <laughs> Looks like they like it. I ate to my fill that day, and just like that, all the anxiousness, creepiness, and weirdness went away. After the video was finished, we all hung out and had a great afternoon. Turns out there was more to Alex than just food. He was also into gaming, music, and movies. And we talked and bonded for the rest of the afternoon. I had just heaved a sigh of relief as... I had become comfortable, and Tommy had too. And I thought to myself, I'm so glad we came. As we sat there talking, Tommy eventually said, But really, man, that mystery meat was delicious. What is it, really? Alex said the meat was imported, but he was sure it was just a combination of assorted meat as he tasted a hint of chicken. As he continued talking, I felt the need to pee, so I asked Alex for his bathroom, and he said it was down the hall to the left. 
After using the bathroom, I started to go back to the living room, but I felt really thirsty as I had eaten a lot of meat, so I went to the kitchen, opened the fridge, and took out some water to drink. As I was drinking the water, I began to notice something out the corner of my eye. Was that a... I screamed before I could finish the thought. Right there in Alex's fridge was what seemed to be the hand of a human child. And the more I looked, the worse it got. Behind the groceries were more human parts. Feet, arms, fingers. And right then and there my brain put everything together. I threw up immediately and I began to scream again. That's when I heard Tommy call out to me. Jake, are you okay? I didn't hear him finish the sentence. All I heard was a thumping sound like something fell, followed by silence. It didn't take long before Alex was standing in the kitchen, holding a metal pipe. The end of the pipe had something red on it that I figured was blood. He stood, looking at me in silence with a smile on his face for about two minutes before saying, I see you found your favorite dish. I wanted to say something, but ended up throwing up again. And before I could raise my head, I felt the hard metal pipe hit it, and I blacked out. I began to slowly open my eyes, and the first thing I saw were bright, flashing lights. It took a while before my vision focused, and I could finally see my surroundings. I was in what seemed to be a basement. I was also tied down to what seemed to be a hard concrete rock. The rock had red liquid stains all over it, and it reminded me of a butcher's slab. To my right I saw Tommy. He was unconscious and he too was also tied down to something similar. I could hear Alex's voice saying, What's up my fellow eccentric foodies? Now that you've all watched the preliminary video, this is where the real fun starts and I do this only for you, my premium fans. I could finally see him and he was standing in front of a camera. He was wearing an apron and lights were staged all around us. I was feeling a bit woozy after the blow to my head, but I blurted out the first thing that came to my mind. Alex, you sick freak! He then slowly turned to look at me and had this sick smile on his face. Look, guys, our meal is awake, he said while staring at the camera. What do you want from us? I screamed. He slowly looked at me and said, What do we want? We want what it is you failed to appreciate all these years. The divine food that has been you all this while. He walked up to me and buried his nose in my chest. You smell so good. So tasty. Your sweat is doing a really good job of seasoning you up. As he said those words again, the realization hit me. So that's what you meant by that? I asked. He didn't respond. He just walked to the camera and said, That's enough chatter with the food. He walked over to get what looked like a toolkit from a shelf and started bringing out all sorts of sharp butcher knives. He then looked at the camera and spoke as if he was on a cooking show talking to an audience. Now, when the meat is fresh like this, there are some parts that are only delicious when eaten raw. He then walked up to Tommy with the knife in his hand. He lifted Tommy's head and held on to Tommy's ear and with a clean cut, he took Tommy's ear off. My stomach churned and I felt like throwing up again. I'm guessing the pain woke Tommy up because he immediately started screaming 
and Alex with no hesitation put Tommy's bloody ear into his mouth, like it was a cracker. I looked at him with disgust as I began to shout, You sick freak! Don't you dare touch my friend! He looked at me and said, Don't look at me like that. We both know that you love the taste. I saw your eyes as you gobbled down that meat. You had tasted something divine, and after that, you never go back. Don't you see, Jake? We are all walking cuisines. Children, teens, adults, each of us has our different flavor, and I have to taste them all. Tommy was screaming and began to cry. I looked at Alex as he continued ranting all of his nonsense, but all that was going through my mind was, I have to get out of here, and I have to take Tommy with me. Because a part of me knew this was all my fault. If only I had listened to Tommy, he wouldn't be in this mess. I began to profusely pull at my constraints. My wrists and ankles hurt, but I didn't care. As I did this, I watched him walk over to Tommy's feet, and while looking at the camera, he said, Another wonderful part to eat raw is the toes. Mmm, the taste is wonderful. And with no hesitation, I watched him bite off two of my friend's toes. He looked like an animal. Blood was all over his face as he said to the camera, Now, when eating the toes raw, you suck and nibble. You don't bite so as to avoid biting down on the bone. Tommy was screaming uncontrollably now, and I could only imagine the pain he was going through. I kept pulling on my constraints till my hands and feet felt like they were about to pop. What Alex did next is something that I still see every time I close my eyes. He walked up to Tommy and said, Now, you don't want your food to be struggling when cutting off the good parts, so it's best for them to bleed out. A clean, thin cut across the neck should do. Now, not too deep. He paused and continued with, We've got some good stuff in there. He looked at me, and with that, he carefully slit Tommy's throat open. Blood gurgled out Tommy's neck and down his chest. Oh, he's so messy, Alex said, cleaning the knife on his apron and walking away. As I watched Tommy bleed out, I began to scream. Tom, Tommy, hold on, man. I'm going to get you out of here. Alex, who was completely unfazed by everything that was going on, just kept on talking to the camera. Now, we have to get the preserving oil, as we need to keep the meat in pristine condition. I'll be right back. He walked up the stairs, and with that, he was gone. As I watched Tommy bleed out and slowly stop moving, I began to cry. Don't worry, man. I'm gonna get you out of here. I'm gonna fix this. I said in tears. Then, Tommy began to speak. It was obvious it was hard for him to do, but he did anyway. It's all right, Jake, he said to me in a really low voice. None of this is your fault. Now you make sure to get out of here. You're my brother, man, and I loved you. Silence followed and he stopped moving. I could see his blood all over his body, and I began to call out his name. I didn't want to believe it, but... I knew he was dead. As I cried, I began pulling harder at my constraints, till I felt my wrist snap. The pain was unimaginable, but I was free. As I walked up to Tommy's body and began to sob, I saw the metal pipe on the floor.
and picked it up. I began to hear footsteps, so I waited at the base of the steps. I'm back, guys, I heard him say. Hopefully the meat has bled out. And without hesitation, I struck him hard on his face, and he fell to the floor. I noticed he was still breathing, and even though he was unconscious, I wanted to kill him so badly. But I didn't. I told myself he already ruined my life by killing my best friend, and killing him would just ruin my life even more. So instead of beating him to death, I went upstairs to call the cops. After that, I came back down to the basement. I walked up to Tommy's body, and I cried my heart out. The weeks that followed seemed like a fast blur. I was called by the cops for questioning, and I told them everything I knew. They told me I was lucky to be alive because no one out of the 30 victims they found had ever escaped Alex. They also told me that he was running a secret streaming channel for his premium subscribers on the deep web, which explains why he was filming us, and over a thousand users were found. I was alarmed at this because it just meant there are a thousand people out there who are as sick as Alex. The families of the victims were informed and they all demanded justice, but Alexander pled insanity, so he was taken to a high-profile state mental hospital. Tommy's parents were pained by this, and I heard the other victim's family were appealing the case so that he could get a life sentence, or even the death penalty. I hoped it worked out for them, because that man truly deserved to die by the hands of justice. We buried Tommy during that week, and I said my final goodbyes to my best friend. It's been five years since this incident, and instead of letting it break me down mentally, I pushed on with my life. I'm married now, and I have a two-year-old daughter. I still go to therapy regularly, but it doesn't really help. Because every time I close my eyes, I find myself back there. And while I don't eat meat, sometimes I get this irresistible urge to do so. Sometimes I find myself looking at my kid daughter. I'd be salivating and wondering how she tastes. Sometimes I'd look at my wife in the same way, too. I regularly get thoughts to cut my own arm off and cook it, just to get that taste. But I use all the strength in my body to overcome these morbid thoughts, because I love my family. No matter how hard it gets, I will move on. Alexander Anderson may have been a sick freak, but he didn't lie when he said, Once you've tasted something divine, you can never go back. Can you see me? Hello? Can you find me? Can you find me? I'm here. Behind you, look. Behind you. I'm behind you. I am right behind you. Don't be scared. I just want to play a game with you. Hey, hey, 